0: Hey, welcome back to another commission podcast. This one uh, we owe a debt of gratitude to Aaron Spaulding, who uh, pulled the trigger on two commissions back-to-back. Bang, bang. He Aaron did. Starling? Is that his name? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh,
1: okay.
0: Uh, Aaron Spaulding, who commissioned this, the 1991 Jonathan Dim. I think it's Dim. Maybe it's Dimmy. Dimmy?
1: Dimmy. I'll Dim. say Dimmy. Like know.
0: Von, Von da- Dom. It's not da- Dim- Dommy. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, maybe it's Jonathan Dim. Uh, the Jonathan Dim uh, film Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. And he also did uh, The Fifth Element, which is coming up later in the week. Yep. Uh, John Dim, if you recall, directed also Well uh, 1993's Philadelphia. He also directed the comedy Married to the Mob, but he was formerly known as mostly for comedies before Silence of the Lamb, and he lately directed Rachel Getting Married. Uh, it stars Anthony Hopkins as Juan Hannibal Lecter and Jodie Foster as Agent Starling. Uh Clarice Starling, if uh you, you you've you've heard the many, many times this is referenced. Yeah. I've had an interesting relationship with this film because I've never seen it in its entirety. Okay. And I was actually shocked at how little I've seen it because I thought I'd seen like of it before, if you'd sat me down and held a gun to my head. (laughs) But it's one of those things I felt like I saw that much of it because it's such a cornerstone in pop culture. Like, when this came out, I remember I was in high school and, like, there was so many jokes, so many parodies, so many people doing Anthony Hopkins, Hannibal Lecter, Hannibal Lecter impersonations, like, this...
1: Buffalo Bill, Ocean in the Basket. Yes,
0: this is ubiquitous as far as pop culture references. And similar to the way I feel like you're going to feel when we finally get around to The Princess Bride.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: You're going to be... It's going to be weird confronting the reality of the film versus what you thought it was going to be. Uh, And I was surprised, because while I was blown away by Anthony Hopkins' Hannibal Lecter, I thought the movie was more... Like, I... If you'd asked me, I thought this was going to have like a really chilling Anthony Hopkins check, yep. there's also gonna be a very tightly plotted intricate uh thriller hmm. and 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 it kind of is, but there's a little thing and the tightly plotted I don't know about, but on the other hand, yeah. I remember the first time I watched The Godfather. I did not understand a lot of the, the broad and fine strokes of that film. I knew I was watching something great, and I got the gist of it, but it was multiple instances of watching before I think I got every little detail. And I'm, I haven't seen this, obviously, enough to know whether it's more like The Godfather, where multiple watches... And I did rewatch with you a couple key scenes, because there's a couple things like, I have no idea how the hell Clarice got to the killer at the end. Like, I don't understand how that chain of logic and, and evidence followed <laughs> okay. to where it got. And I certainly don't understand all of how Hannibal Lecter escaped. And I thought that there was some stuff that's, yeah, that's kind yeah, of yeah. bullshitty about that. I mean, so, hmm. But I don't know. And okay. the other possibility is this could be like the Dune movie where you, ha- if, you watched, if you've seen the novel or read the novel, which this is all based on the Hannibal Lecter novels, mm-hmm. um, that you would understand it. But it's almost required reading because they they mention a lot of sub-characters and sub-plots and, and history of this James Gum, which I think is very sketchy and scant. But I was reading a lot of the book's wiki where I'm like, oh, okay, I'm starting to see how these characters fit together. Mm-hmm. You've seen this more than me. Um, Once the, more than you. Oh, okay. I thought maybe <laughs> you've time. more times because you're no. more of a horror aficionado and a gore a, a hound. Um, what do you think of my comments on the film? Yeah, I I think,
1: I think you're pretty right on, uh, the ending of this movie. Uh, this, I I felt like the beginning of this movie is a lot about like getting into the mind of this killer and that's how we're going to track him down. And we're going to totally understand him. And it, it never felt to me like Jodie Foster was actually putting the pieces together. It felt like Hannibal was just feeding them to her. Right. Mm -hmm. And like she would occasionally have the fool's gold, Type of revelation, but right. that didn't actually lead her to the killer. It was all Hannibal Lecter going, "Ha! Yeah, you caught on to my stupid her. anagram. Sure. Here sure. you go. Here's a here's a bone." Uh-huh. Like, and then when, so yeah, the way that he gets out is is a mystery. Um, it, it's it's obvious. Like they show it all to us, but like how the logistics of that would actually work, is is near impossible. Well, yeah, here's the imagine. thing, like, and then the case, just. Kind of falls apart for me at the end. The movie, the movie devolves into something less than it could have been. Yeah, uh, if it had kind of stayed true and stayed steady with its its plot.
0: Yeah, Hannibal's escape, while thrilling and certainly tense and horrific, falls apart for me a little bit on two separate occasions. Number one, I don't see how Hannibal Lecter strapped to the furniture mover to the refrigerator dolly.
1: Uh-huh.
0: He sees the gold pin. Obviously, the gold pin is how he. Uh, like I thought it was very clever how he manipulated that to free himself, but i don 't see how he got it yeah like, there 's no he way he left could get alone it. unstrapped to this thing yeah. to pick up that gold pin um they showed how he they showed what he got and then they made sure that you noticed that it was missing when the guy couldn 't find his pin mm-hmm. and the significance of it but they, i don 't think i don 't
1: see how in the world he could have gotten that second simultaneously not very believable and also like Heavy-handed, right? Like, oh, search all my pockets. Feel my chest. Where's my fucking pin? I haven't seen this pin in two hours.
0: Uh, Secondly, the gambit he pulled where he wore the man's face. Yeah. Uh, To me, when I saw that, I'm like, well, that's Anthony Hopkins wearing a – like, I don't know if that's a limitation (laughs) of the makeup or what, but to me, like, if you are really taking Anthony Hopkins or his Hannibal Lecter serious to the point where you've got, like, a squad of 20 police officers – elaborately covering each other because this guy's such a threat and he's such, do you really just take this guy with a sliced up face and throw him on an ambulance and there's no precautions at all. So I felt like that, that was weirdly kind of shortcut taking.
1: Yeah. It seems like there are a lot of those shortcuts. I don't, I don't think they ever explain in the movie. Like for instance, what you mentioned about how she tracks him to the house. Like why is he at this house? Like why is he living here when clearly he's registered to a different address. Yep. Uh, the police are actually raiding at the moment.
0: Yeah, and there's like, you know, I think this all hangs together because doing research, like, you know, I think you're supposed to understand that that de- badly decomposed body in the tub is the original owner of the house. Yeah, Who Mrs. was Lippman, the actual sure. seamstress
1: who he kind of apprenticed for, maybe? I guess. Like, that's all very vague. Like, yeah. as to why he would be living in this woman's house, did he kill her? Yeah. Well, I, I assume so, if you can conclude that that's Mrs. Lippman in the in the basement, but there's nothing in the movie to tell you
0: that. I had other questions about like the guy's head and the formaldehyde and formaldehyde and mm-hmm. Dr. Hannibal's, um, storage facility. Yeah. Like I thought that was a victim of Jame gum, but then when I'm thinking about it, it seems like it was more a victim of another serial killer that Jame gum hung with. I mean, I, I, again, it's like I had multiple questions on, hmm. you know, because if he's not a, if it's a James Gum victim and he only saw him once, how in the world did he come into possession of the guy's severed head? And I know it's – and if it's not a James Gum victim, then why the hell does it have the moth pupa stuffed down its throat? Because that was Buffalo Bill's yeah. signature, right? Sure. So, like, there was a lot of – and again, this could be just like, well, if you've read the books, it's super obvious. That stuff's explained. But in the film, yeah. I I felt like maybe it needed another 10, 15 minutes. Me too. Um, yeah, I because agree. there was nothing like drug. Nothing. I don't think you could. Uh, th- th- they spent time elsewhere. I just think it needed more time. Period. Yeah. And it's not like I was bored of seeing Hannibal or Jody. Fo- you know, Anthony Hopkins or Jodie Foster stomping around because, again, it would be so easy for Hannibal Lecter to be a parody. Uh, certainly. And and you see him parodied often. Or
1: right? not menacing.
0: Yes. Um, and he's got that weird. Accent who Anthony Hopkins himself described it as a blend between uh, Capote and Catherine Hepburn, which sounds about right. Y- yeah, yeah. As we were watching, because I read that and we started watching these scenes, and I started thinking of like Kate Blanchett's portrayal of Catherine Hepburn from uh-huh. The Aviator. Yeah, yeah. And you know Truman Capote, and I'm like, oh, uh, oh my god, <laughs> oh my god, I can't can't unsee this now. Uh, he's really good. Like I was expecting exceptional. I was expecting greatness, and even with that expectation, it fully delivered.
1: And it's, he's incredible. It, so much of it is about the eyes, too. I mean, just the 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 presence, the the intelligent, cunning, uh, intellectual presence that this man is, or that Anthony yeah. Hopkins portrays in those scenes, is frightening. Uh, when you combine it with you know the, his history, and you can tell that he's thought a lot about how
0: to portray this character, and he portrays him as. A man. I don't think you know. Obviously, I don't think uh, Lecter sees himself as an evil man. He sees himself as a man who doesn't suffer fools gladly, mm-hmm. and when they annoy him, likes to eat them. <laughs> okay, like yeah. it makes sense in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing. Like, it's funny because I don't. I don't think. Uh, I think that this. There was actually stuff made of this back in ninety one, but I don't think society was ready to take the complaint seriously. But seeing this with 2016 eyes – it's going to take me a while to get used to saying that. Seeing this with eyes in 2016, it was hard not from the very beginning to be skeptical of James Gum being this perhaps gay, perhaps transsexual man or transsexual woman being portrayed as a psychopath. And I can see, like, you know, back in the day, gay rights activists were – Outraged by the fact that yet again, you know, a serial killer or a psychopath is being portrayed as having homosexual or transsexual tendencies, and it just seems like it was a way for them to like, because there's so much weird shit smeared on the Jame Gum. At one point, we see where he sleeps, and he's 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 sleeping on like a pink swastika. Yeah, he's a Nazi too, I guess. Yeah, he's got he's a Nazi. I mean, there's just every weird thing you can put they make him seem otherly and weird to others. But unfortunately, like, you know, uh, there's not many Nazis around to get offended and what little there are fine. Be offended. Sure. Yeah, you yeah. have an odious, but the, to put people that have alternative lifestyles in there.
1: I thought the movie went out of its way not to say that though. Like th- th- several times they say a, okay. Jody Foster says yeah. transsexuals have no history of violence. They're mostly just docile people. Right. And, and, uh, Hannibal Lecter himself says that and agrees with it. Sure, uh, and they they move on and say, yeah, that's not it. And then he said he also makes a comment. He's not actually a transsexual. He thinks he is. He wants to be a woman, but he's got this history of abuse that's causing the problem.
0: But what does that mean? So does that mean like a history of abuse makes you a trans? I mean, those. Yes, I agree that I think that they were trying to be sensitive, and obviously, well, uh, self hate Dim- translated
1: into that that sort of. Lens, I think I Jonathan
0: Dim broadly liberal. I mean, he did, after all, two years later, make Philadelphia, uh huh, um, which is a weird, over-the-top movie experience now to watch.
1: Is it? I've never seen it.
0: Oh yeah, like it's so hard to watch these people being hardcore homophobic, uh, and and even <laughs> like the, the the star of the film uh, portrayed by uh, G- uh Denzel Washington. Oh okay. <laughs> It says some pretty hateful shit too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like I think it's—is it uh, like Nick Nolte in Forty Eight Hours is just an open racist with with Eddie Murphy. I've never. Seen and it's that all played either. for laughs and kind of comedy, and you know. Okay. It's, but anyway, like twenty, almost twenty years. Well, more than twenty years. This is twenty fifth anniversary. Yeah. Am I doing my math right? Uh, yeah, you are ninety one. Uh, it, it's 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 interesting to look at this with with with, with that much history behind this. Sure. So, so I don't know. I, th- I thought that was I'm a- surprised a there was weird.
1: even an objection to that in 90, 91. Frankly. Well,
0: there was still a bunch of gay men and women who were like, what the fuck? You know, like none of us were, you know, I imagine a lot, you know, a lot of people were dismissive the claims. Like, oh, those people. That's what I mean, yeah. But, you know, nowadays um, it was... it's easy to see where that criticism came from. Sure. I also thought I wasn't expecting a fairly thoughtful look on the what it's like being a woman entering a stereotypically male-dominated world. Yeah, there's a surprising amount of that like her just breaking down and sobbing after being so emotional about some of the confrontations she goes through just her small diminutive size like they made it a point of showing yeah you know her standing in these these around these giant men and these men that are kind of leering at her like not just I mean, right the,
1: off the jump I mean it's it's she goes to that
0: rogues gallery she gets semen yeah. flung in her face but then she goes and there's all these cops kind of giving her the same Oh, oh, yeah, it's a skirt it's I mean, a it's, heels. It's, it's the
1: very first guy she meets in this thing where she walks into the office and in lion face. I think we called him. Yeah. Oh uh, Jesus. He, he yeah. immediately is like, Oh, so, you want to go out to dinner? Yeah. No. Immediately, immediately
0: has a, gives her unwanted sexual advances, uh, and even
1: and, th- and it uh, continues the entire movie. Even sure.
0: Hannibal Lecter, who's offended that someone threw semen in her face, and later talked a man into killing himself. He's essentially like, oh, why did what's his face send you here? Just because he thinks you're attractive. He wants to have sex with you. Like, he was, Mm -hmm. again, trying to get in her head. But, like, she dealt with this from everyone.
1: And there's a weird moment where he touches her finger when he's handing the the document, the case file back to her. So what is their
0: relationship? Because one of the things I'm taking into this movie is I've seen season one of Hannibal, the TV series. I've seen Red Dragon. I actually saw Red Dragon before that. Is it seems like there is this pattern of Hannibal Lecter having an almost seductive relationship with these criminologists who are also his protege.
1: So I think it ties back into the covetousness, right? Like he's seeing Jodie Foster as somewhat of a peer, I think. Or is it a daughter figure? Or perhaps, yeah. Um, And he is starting to covet that. And I think if he were to escape and try to develop a relationship with her, he might end up eating her brain. Huh. honestly like that might be the piece of her that he chooses to eat i
0: want to say that there's a piece of hannibal lore where agent starling actually joins him from probably being a serial killer I but i might have be confusing my saw mythology too I or don't know. dexter who knows <laughs> right right um do you think this kind of like was the definitive mold for the modern serial killer like the simple i think so
1: not simple because just very smart yes uh Plotting. Has a lot of cultured
0: mannerisms. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, because I'm think thinking, so. like, Dexter's definitely in that mold. Um, how many serial killers do we have that we in deal In modern
1: with? pop culture? Yeah. Uh, probably a lot. I, don't, I can't think of I guess more, the guy from but...
0: Saw, also, the the Jigsaw killer, had yeah. kind of his own code of justice and was super intelligent. and Sure. You know, I think of, of all the – because that's kind of a trope to do in um, – uh, a procedural television, like Star Trek. You know, if you had a Star Trek serial killer, or a science fiction serial killer, it was kind of in the Hannibal mold. So, obviously, this and his novels are very influential for that. Yeah, it
1: feels almost kind of the opposite of the '80s horror movie where everything it's Was just, just kind chainsaw massacres, uh, you're just insane. Like, yeah, that and like un- unthinking kind of sort of zombie-like monsters, right? Yeah, like, and, and nothing that you can like an alien, Halloween and
0: nothing you can identify with. Like, yeah, you know. The Signs of the Lambs is kind of like the Godfather. And in way it's scarier. And that you're a weirdly enamored with the killer. Like, the same way that, like, you admire kind of the Godfather and his family. He's an
1: interesting guy, sure.
0: Yeah. Like, he's definitely scary. He's definitely terrifying. And there's a couple scenes where he really cuts loose and you're like, oh, shit. But on the other hand, yeah, he's, he's smart and he's intelligent and he's kind of arrogant. And those things are, again, something that, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I, I identify... <laughs>
1: With the non-psychotic
0: parts of some of those things,
1: <laughs> sure. Or you're you're at least curious about it. Like what would what would make someone with these sorts of advantages sure do the things that they do when they're serial killers?
0: I, I really liked i i li- i th- I thought that Dim did a lot of interesting things in the setup. Um, I read in the ba- the kind of the making of history that originally that the Hopkins cell was going to be bars just like all the others, but they decided to make this elaborate glass thing because he thought the bars between Agent Starling, between Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins, kind of hurt their chemistry and put an artificial barrier between them that he didn't want to exist. I, But also gave a lot of cool visuals. Like, there's that one scene where you see Clarice, but Anthony's face is kind of reflected partially on top of hers as they're huh. talking, and uh-huh. I'm like, that was that's a smart decision that paid off a lot of dividends that they probably didn't even know when they were considering it.
1: Yeah. No, you're right. They probably didn't consider those extras. But I think – so there is a scene. There there are a couple of scenes where they're separated by bars when they move him to Memphis. Yeah. in what is the most bizarre jail cell of all time? Sure. It's like we're going to set up a – Inside this opera Inside, hall, we're gonna set a ball up a ballroom or yeah. <laughs> a cage uh-huh. for this man. Like there are no prisons around. You couldn't take him somewhere. Well, actually no, secure. I think that he
0: had negotiated. He was helping, and then that was he was wanting a you know more cultured change of scenery. So
1: yeah, but this was not it. He was on his way to somewhere better. So, well, but that so. was all a lie. So.
0: I don't know, because that's, again, like, I feel like... Oh, they're trying to
1: fool him by sticking him in this? No,
0: so there's, again, like, I've only seen this one fucking time, but I think there is enough there that I got the fact that uh, Clarice was selling him this fiction of going to this island where he could walk with the wrens and the turns or whatever the fuck they were, Yeah, the the blue-footed boobies, and he could eat livers in peace, and he knew that that was a lie, but also he was desperate to get away from that psychologist that he loathed at the other inside insane, insane asylum. And he had given the governor or was she a Senator? She's a Senator, just enough information about mm-hmm. the daughter that she was willing to kind of go halfway towards some kind of deal. And like, okay, if, yeah. if this actually further develops, then maybe we can make this into a permanent type situation.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, but that cage that they put him in, there are a couple of scenes where he's looking out and talking to Jodie Foster And I did feel that. I felt like it got in the way. Like, I constantly wanted them to remove those bars from the shot because I wanted to see more of of the faces. But I I thought
0: that was also, if we're going to be, you know, dissect this cinematography-wise, I thought that was intentional because by that point, they've developed a rapport. Mm -hmm. And it felt intentionally like almost lovers being torn apart. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, literally, she's sure. being, like, dragging away screaming, I want to, you know, this, this stuff.
1: Yeah, and maybe my desire to see them talk face-to-face is a residual of that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I I don't know. I thought, I don't know if we want to talk about the title of this film and yeah, let's do it. why it makes sense and what it could mean. Uh, but, obviously, there's a lot of discussion about screaming lambs in this. And we know that Clarice lived on a farm when she was young and they were killing these lambs and she had... An incident where she tried to go out and save them. They wouldn't save themselves. She ran mm-hmm. off with one, uh, and that's when she got sent away from the farm. Yep. Because she didn't make it very far, and so, so essentially her work—the
0: s- central tragedy in Babe, the movie about the pig—as well, is the that sheep are just true? too stupid to save themselves, and they get the heroes <laughs> uh, hurt. That's why they're called sheep, uh, <laughs> or the other way around. But but she, she should have used the Ba Ram you" code word, and then everything would have been good. She could have led the whole flock off.
1: But since then, she has been trying to silence these lambs by saving people, yeah. right? Like that's kind of the the crux of of the way that Hannibal Lecter diagnoses her. Uh, and I feel in in some in some ways, Hannibal Lecter is doing the same thing, and Buffalo Bill is doing the same thing. They've got these screaming lambs in their head that they're trying to silence, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know what Hannibal Lecter is. I don't feel like we get enough information about his background necessarily, other than he eats people. Yeah, we don't we don't really delve into that. But Buffalo Bill. We do. Um, it seems like this abuse has caused him to have a, a lot of screaming lambs in his head, and he thinks because he hates himself that the way to change that is to change his sex or change mm. his gender here. And, uh, he, and he
0: goes through and tries to get uh, a, a sexual reassignment surgery, and everyone keeps yeah. uh, turning him down because he fails a psychological test, which allows which – has him come to the idea of, I know, I'll make a lady suit, and that's what'll give me the piece I'm looking for. Yeah,
1: and I'll tuck my cock between my legs and dance around. <laughs> sure, In sure. a scene that's been parodied many a time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's my real question when I come away from this movie. Would you fuck me? <laughs> that's,
1: <just laughs> that's a strange question. No, you'd have to tuck pretty far back, <laughs> is what all I'm saying. Um,
0: I don't know. I thought that so... I thought that a lot of stuff was a little could have been brought back because some of it comes across almost as parody. In fact, kind of it does. Like Hmm. when Clarice goes back and visits him in that cell that's in the middle of the ballroom, he's drawn a picture of her holding a lamb. And I'm like, Uh Jesus Christ. What's wrong with that? Like, that's not on the nose. That's violently jabbing me in the nose. Um, I thought Crawford, the it was pretty kind of over the top. And there's a lot of like Anthony Hopkins was arguably restrained compared to some of these guys. Oh yeah. Um,
1: yeah. But yeah, I, but I don't, I'm, I'm with you. Like the stuff they do with the pin is the I don't know if they're trying to be tricky or if they're trying to be blatantly obvious so that you build that suspense and dread of when is Lecter going to get out? Yeah. How is this going to come back and kill these these poor innocent people you know what it
0: felt like to me it's like that like oceans 11 after uh george clooney robs the 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 casino Mm -hmm. imagine if there wasn't the flashback where we saw all the different ways where uh you know andy garcia was tricked as well as the audience like if they just said like he just shows up the his his things empty and it's just a bunch of uh porn ads in the, the it's like you'd be like What the fuck? I'm missing something here. And yes, you were. You were missing this point, and this point, and this point. I felt like that about Anthony. Well, I keep on saying Anthony versus Hannibal interchangeable, but Hannibal's escape attempt. Uh They're they. I I wish I could see had a scene where he palmed that pin somehow. While he was in restraints, or yeah. talked himself into being let out of the restraints, or if
1: they had him in less restraining restraints, right? yeah, like, like those are pretty that fucking I, effective restraints. Yeah, that's the thing. Like if his hands were like cuffed, maybe, yeah. to to the the thing that he was in, yeah, I could see him stretching. Yeah, but, but in a straight jacket, you can't do anything.
0: Uh, not and not just a straight jacket. Straight jacket where you're strapped like at six different attachment points to a rigid metal frame. Yeah. Yeah. With a mask over your face so you can't use your chompers, your other, you know, art, something you could argue and manipulate something. Maybe he has a prehensile yeah. penis. <laughs> That's the reason he's a serial killer. It's just something weird that he could never get over with. Yep. Um, I also thought Buffalo Bill himself was a weird dude. Uh,
1: oh, yeah.
0: Not just weird in the the he's dancing weird. around and prancing around, but there's this one scene, the, the lotion on its skin scene, uh-huh. where, you know, everyone talks about just how weird and creepy that is. But there is this interesting thing where at some point he was starting to empathize with his victim and it was yeah, causing yeah. him pain. But then by the end,
1: he's screaming at her in like mockery. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, and he has a bizarre reaction to Jodie Foster when she says, uh, can I use your phone?
0: Well, that's understandable because I think like he, he understood the jig was up, up. Like, I guess. Yeah. Um, But, no, I thought that that was really interesting, and I I wish I got more of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I honestly, uh, one of the other things I found in research is they planned to do it yet one final flashback where they showed uh, a young Clarice running off with the lamb and getting found, and they decided that after they saw her and Anthony's scene together where they talked about that, it's like, we don't need to film this. It's it's all. I felt like every instance where we saw a flashback with her, was jarring and always like what the fuck what's going on here because there wasn't a lot of clues that we're getting a flashback it's just all of a sudden yeah jodie foster looking out at the camera and then suddenly it's 1970s uh-huh. like uh, uh, looking in
1: a casket and suddenly there's a man instead of a woman what yeah
0: there's a lot of things that threw me i kind of think that they could have gotten rid of all those flashbacks because they didn't need it i thought that mm-hmm. they there's narrative was strong enough that it didn't need to see that to understand what was going on in her head and yeah, instead had supplied it with more things with hannibal like Filling in the details of escape, and also the final noose around Jame Gum and how they got the two houses confused and all that. I I found myself very lost. Yeah. And then if we, if I, you know, the other, the final scene where um Hannibal had talked, tracked down a psychologist in some foreign country, have no fucking clue how that came about. Yeah, yeah. Like why was he there? If he was following him, how did he arrive ahead of time? Why was the doctor there? Was he fleeing from him? Like yeah, you're just a mean, left just to old... there, there's a lot left to your imagination that I wish was a little bit more explicit. There I is,
1: but you understand why he's there and what he's there to do. Yep, I'm there. I'm I'm here to exact my revenge on this schmuck but, of a warden. I think that's by the difference
0: it. between a three and a half star and a four star movie, though.
1: I guess. Like, I you know. there's a fine line between it didn't holding... didn't bother me w- nearly as much as most people, I guess. Hmm.
0: There's a fine line, I think, between holding your audience's hand, because you don't want that. Sure. But also, you don't want them... And I. I and the other thing is, I felt kind of lost in the geography. It's like, okay, yeah. well, I rationalized, well, Ohio borders West Virginia, so I guess
1: there could be a lot of these things. But then they went to Illinois, mm-hmm. and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where, Well, there's like a throwaway line about uh Frederica Bemmel going to Illinois going to Chicago for a job interview and never coming back and that James uh, yep. James Gum lives or at least has a residence yep uh on record in in Calumet City which is outside Chicago yeah I don't know the the details as explained by the book of of the ending and how they find him and why he's there don't make a lot of sense to me as shown in the movie I kind of want to read the Hannibal series now because uh, yeah. I saw Red Dragon, and I thought
0: that was really compelling and interesting. Uh, I haven't seen Hannibal. Maybe I should see Hannibal first. But I'm kind of interested in and in, in getting the behind-the-scenes details
1: on this stuff. The thing that really bothers me most about the ending is her going, pursuing him into this house. Like, if if the cops are really on the way, like you say they are, which I don't know how they would be bluffing. at this point. She
0: was bluffing. That was a clear bluff, I think.
1: Yeah, I don't... Doesn't she tell... I think she tells the, the girl in the well that. Right? But if she's yelling a loudly to calm her because, the fuck down. But
0: I also think it's it's the intended recipient is Buffalo Bill, so he thinks twice about like maybe he's just giving himself up because there's backup on the way, nothing you do here.
1: So but it makes no sense to pursue this guy into his fucking dungeon when you have no backup.
0: Well, but here's the thing. I think that if you buy the whole silencing the screaming of the lambs, that sure. she put a priority on saving this girl, and if she leaves him alone in that basement, the girl, and doesn't pursue him, then he can just kill her out of spite or out of, like, yeah. you know. He, clearly, he's a crazy person. He thinks somehow he's he's metamorphosizing into the thing he wants to be by through this ritual of death and wearing the skins and putting yeah. the moths in their mouth and all that crap. So... I kind of I, – I knew you had a problem with that, but I didn't see it because, to me, it's like if she stayed outside to protect herself, then she's still dealing with the screaming lambs. Whereas she goes in and saves the day, and so. she's exorcised yeah. the demons, or yeah, the lambs in this just, case.
1: Man. I don't uh,
0: know. i got to say, though, that I do think the final scene is terrifying. Sure. The idea of being in a pitch-black room and – having being knowing that you're stuck in there with a serial killer and then and, and the seeing... point of views of him with the night vision
1: goggles oh and it's not even that so they use they use kind I of don't, i don't know they they use the warm-up for all this stuff to really great effect like when you first start up this movie you're not seeing hannibal lecter you're hearing about him right through reputation. Sure. All these other people are saying don't don't give him paper clips, don't give him uh staples in his paper. He's a don't he's give him any private cunning. details don't about talk your life. To him. Yeah. Like all of these things, they're building up what a menacing person and cunning person Hannibal Lecter is, and that works to great effect. And then they also do that here in Buffalo Bill's chambers where they're showing you the melted body of Mrs. Lippmann. Yeah. Uh, they're showing you all these horrific scenes. And you know he
0: uses night vision goggles. So yep. when the when she goes down at dark basement and the, and the power gets cut, even before you see his p- point of view, you're like, oh, shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's, like, it's you, terrifying.
0: There is a lot of dread because everything that Clarice is supposed to not do with Hannibal Lecter by the first or second encounter she's doing. Like she's yeah. feeding him personal information to get information. And you're thinking, oh, shit. How wrong – you know, I wish I knew less about the film because I think I'd be even more terrified in the final scene If because I was fairly sure Jodie Foster was walking out of this movie. Yeah. If I was seeing it first run without any kind of cultural awareness at all, I think I'd have been very afraid to maybe she dies somehow. Or the Hannibal Lecter would use this information against her. Uh huh. But by the time the film was ending, there that was that 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 kept the scene from being as effective as I think it could have been. Just knowing that I, I had the general impression that Jodie Foster was going to live and that Hannibal Lecter admired and was attracted to her in some way. Um, yeah. Maybe it was as a lover. Maybe it was as a protege. Maybe it was as a daughter. But there was something there that would not, in a way, that she would be in danger from him.
1: Yeah, she wouldn't. But you also have to wonder, like. Is she thinking about the other people that he's potentially going to harm or eat uh, now that he's Mm. on the the loose? You know, like she's granted, she wasn't responsible for letting him out. But at the same time, she's got to feel some kind of guilt for kind of being led on like this by Hannibal uh, at the end. Now that he's loose, he's going to do some harm.
0: Yeah, but then she also didn't promise that she wasn't going to go after him. Sure. So I was kinda s of, guess I was kinda of surprised. And I think she might
1: have to. I think this might be more screaming yeah. lambs. I'm kinda of
0: surprised that and I don't know I haven't looked in and the why this is. Maybe there's something with the rights and different studios own rights to different books and whatnot, because you know, there's there's the manhunt that was made before this movie that was also about Hannibal Lecter by a different mm. studio and like it was like in eighty six, so it has no real connection. But Kind of, you know, with this being made in the 90s, I don't understand why they didn't make this kind of into a franchise.
1: I mean, maybe Hopkins didn't want to do it. Maybe. Maybe. He he came back to the series at some point, but...
0: Right. So, but I mean, I I thought that would have been an interesting trilogy. Like, you know, this this dance between Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins, and maybe in the third when she finally brings him in or something, but... They didn't seem interested in – and I guess I'm mildly surprised not knowing anything about the novel's history, the publication, or the rights issue, why that there wasn't, you know, sequels to this.
1: I don't know. I mean, there are kind of indirect sequels now, right? Like Red Dragon or whatever Well, yeah, they didn't –
0: who's the girl from – And then Hannibal. Yeah, who's the girl that was in uh, uh, The Big Lebowski, Juliana Moore? Yeah. She was – agent she reprised the role of agent starling in another and i don't did that have huh. anthony
1: hopkins in it
0: i don't know i know one of
1: them didn't one of them hannibal was played by somebody else
0: this is not the most interesting podcasting because there are definitive answers to this that we just don't know and the people yeah, that yeah. do are like oh you fucking idiot so sure uh other thing i want to talk about <laughs> is i like the agency that they had they showed the victim having that she wasn't just a little girl screaming in a well tied up that she actually had a pretty clever and Cunning plot that I almost wish I'd seen yeah. how that resolved because yes. Buffalo Bill yes. did care about this fucking dog, and she successfully
1: <laughs> captured it. I, I wanted to see both how how she captured this thing. Like I know she was trying to lure it over with the chicken bone and sweep it down in the bucket. It's uh, clearly but it like worked. how that dog is going to just drop on its fucking head in the well.
0: Well, I'm thinking, and I think I think she's not lying that the dog probably broke its leg in the fall. Yeah, and it, was, it was hurt. But I like. To, I thought that was some of the most <laughs> gripping information, this standoff she had with Buffalo Bill over his fucking dog. Yeah. I thought, like, man, I would like to see how he would resolve that if left to his own devices. Would he finally come to the point where he wants her skin more than he wants his dog back?
1: I don't know. I mean, what can she really do? Like, yeah, she's got to climb out of that At what
0: point does... Yeah, at some point, she comes to the top of the well with the dog in tow, and he just overpowers her. Yeah. Grabs the dog and kicks her down the well in the situation. I mean, does she, like, have the dog in a chokehold and be like, I'm on it, you know, like, I'm backing out slowly. I'll do it. I'm coming, you know, it's like. No, I will. Yeah, I thought that was. I felt almost shortchanged that that happened, and Jodie Foster was there before there was any resolution.
1: So. Let's talk about the old bait and switch. Man, they do an editing job when the FBI is right. is busting in on this Calamity, which city made home it even more confusing. Because I they mean. they put up so the first inclination we get that this you know might not be the same place is after they raid the place and there's nothing there.
0: And then we cut yep. over to
1: Jody Foster finally talking to the guy that we know as Buffalo Bill. Yep. Uh, but they start that whole sequence off by showing you an establishing shot. Yes. With a subtitle, Calumet City, Illinois. Yep. And the, the, they show you an establishing shot of the house. Yep. And they show you the bell ringing. and yep. And Buffalo Bill going, I can't believe like oh, the fucking bell's ringing. Yep. Uh, the editing is so deceitful. And I don't know that I have a huge problem with that. Well, see, I think it was fairly effective, but... You're right, but I was already so confused. It also confused, is so dishonest. I, and, and I think
0: it would have worked better, except for I was already so confused by the geography and where the yeah. hell I'm, and what lead she was following up that that was almost like the... If the movie was a little bit less, I might have been like, fuck it, and I don't even care. But the movie is I, so good that I want to go back and watch it. I did go back and watch those scenes, so I kind of understand now the basic plot. But there's still a suspicion that I'm missing something and that there may be even I'm missing something that I'm not going to find out until I read the books. Mm -hmm. So
1: I don't think all the pieces are in the movie.
0: No, but the pieces that are there are pretty, pretty fucking great.
1: Yeah, I I really enjoy this movie. Honestly, just the atmosphere it creates, uh, I think, is worth the watch. I, I don't know that you need to worry too much about the plot and like that sort of stuff. Right. Just go there for the performances and the atmosphere, and I think you'll have a good time.
0: Do we see the first ever ish, uh, instance of canine Stockholm Syndrome? What do you mean? Well, you know, the, it, it's weird that she's uh, she's she's taken hostage by Buffalo Bill and Precious. She's in the bottom of the will, well. She then kidnaps the dog. Has this emotional bond, and then by the, the final scene when she's walking out, she's cradling the dog and whispering to it and comforting it. Is it's she? like she's now identified <laughs> okay. with her captor dog.
1: I didn't see that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> or as the dog, or as the dog switch sides.
1: Yeah, the dog has Stockholm dog, syndrome. The dog defected. Yeah.
0: Mm. <laughs> All right.
1: Well, Why are there me, so many cops at that funeral home? Man, does it take the entire town's police force to observe an autopsy? Well, I mean, like, I, I get it that it's a. Uh, it's a
0: murder. Uh, and I thought that there was I, I don't understand why they're all there. Okay. I I when they're in the autopsy room I got the clear impression that they were there to kind of ogle Jodie Foster. Really? Which is why she had to like summon up to like get the fuck out of here. Like she had to I know
1: they somewhere. were, but you think that's why they were there? Like Well, no,
0: I that's why they were in the autopsy room. Why they were all cl- wh- like literally all. Like there was 20 okay. dudes, 20 sheriffs, Way too many deputies many or whatever in there. And at first I thought it was like a funeral, and I'm like, man, that'd be kind of off-putting. Like, I get it. You got a murder investigate, but I am but I didn't realize that they had just recovered a body. And
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It was a stinky mess. Still a enough.
1: lot of cops in there, and I think there's yeah. a funeral going on at the time, or or maybe having not quite begun yet or just finished. Yeah. Because there th- are some random people milling around in there, too. Right.
0: And, you know, you're crossing state lines multiple times, but I guess this is all set around the border of Virginia and... West Virginia and Ohio. So that was kind of confusing to me too. But Ohio, you know, Ohio's yeah. a big state. It borders a lot of other ones.
1: Sure. I I, I kind of do like the lead that kind of brings her to the vicinity of Buffalo Bill. You know, this idea that, oh, this her the first victim we found wasn't his first victim, that he had anchored this one down so that we would place them out of order. Well, I don't – so then, did you
0: – because I got a different inference from that. You did. I got that they they he waited that first down because he's extra careful with the first one he did, or and then he just got started getting sloppy because he didn't care. Maybe so, but yeah, because that's I guess
1: that's. But either way, it caused them to misorder. Like say, oh, here's the first one, which wasn't actually the first one, and then you know Hannibal Lecter puts the piece together where he's like. Oh yeah, people covet what they see, and if he's right. seeing this girl, this is his first victim. He she might a be relationship in that vicinity. With her, yeah. I think that all makes a lot of sense, but you're right; it does fall apart at some point.
0: Yep. Uh, I mean, what else do we have to say about this?
1: Uh, I don't know. Not much. I think I, I think I'm pretty good.
0: All right. I mean, I, I, I um. <laughs> I got other like uh, ironic observations. The fact that uh, it was so they had this close up of her turning over her gun and her ammunition. She had this, like a spare, a quick loader for her revolver, and we both commented on how fucked up her hollow points were. Oh yeah, yeah. Like uh, like a dog had chewed on the end of one of them. I thought that was a bit of, like I don't know if that's interesting. <laughs> okay and that's literally the only thing i think i've got left that i wrote that i, I, I want to talk about i
1: wrote hopkins is obviously creepy i haven't seen him blink once yeah, I he doesn't that, blink for a large portion of the movie
0: so a lot of i mean if you believe the uh behind the scenes information about this movie a lot of what made anthony hopkins performance creepy as hannibal lecter came from anthony Hopkins his it was his idea that when they and i thought that was almost like gasp inducing when they pan over all these weird psychopaths and then it's just hannibal lecter standing there all in white Hmm. that he was fixing his eyes at the place where the camera would eventually rest to 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 anthony's idea was that if you film it that way it'll almost be like he is omniscient like uh-huh. he even knows where the like the like it was almost fourth wall breaking and that he consciously in his childhood he hung out with someone that very rarely blinked and he remembered how unnerving it was mm-hmm. so that he he very he blinks very infrequently in the films and when he does blink he was deliberately doing it as part of a performance
1: yeah they talk about other like filming techniques that they use to kind of kind of draw you in and give you that sense of dread where like as as they're entering his you know, this dungeon prison mm-hmm. asylum thing for the first time. Jody Foster's coming downstairs and through all these doors, and every time they go around a corner, like, the camera will pull around the corner and just wait for her there.
0: Yeah. And like, also, the other thing I didn't notice, and I, I, on second watch, I want to confirm this is true, but the director mentioned that he wanted you to be pulled into Jodie Foster's point of view, so whenever someone is talking to Jodie Foster, they're looking right into the camera as if they're looking at you. But when Jodie Foster pans to her for her dialogue, she's looking slightly off camera. Hmm. So, like, it's supposed to immerse Weird. you within her point of view. And I thought it was super effective because, again, I was surprised at how kind of inside the head of this woman I felt, you know, both her strengths and her vulnerabilities in, in this uh, this film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I guess this is the first play, the film production that was allowed to film at Quantico, which is the FBI's uh, boot camp headquarters.
1: So that's a real place?
0: Be- yes, because huh. they were thinking that this film could be a useful recruiting tool.
1: Okay. This- Come catch the serial killer. Like,
0: this, Yeah, I mean, right? I mean, that's everybody. If you get into criminal... Like, sure. You know, if you get into the CSI type stuff, and I think more and more people are doing that because it... You know, like I went through a phase where I wanted to be a detective because what job is more satisfying than putting a murderer behind bars and potentially preventing him from murder or getting justice for the family of the bereaved?
1: Like, astronaut.
0: You're essentially one step below Batman there, right? Yeah, going astronaut if you actually make (laughs) it into space and colonize a planet, that's also. (laughs) Sure, sure. Uh, But yeah. I I see what you're saying. Yeah. Being a detective and solving murder and just the mental kind of like gymnastics that you have to do to do that job successfully i always thought that was pretty
1: seductive yeah and then letting the, the and it stands convicted to reason serial that, killer get away
0: that the fbi is the 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 number one tippy top of that profession
1: yeah absolutely uh, uh th- they do a great job with like some of the horrific scenes too like um that that scene where hannibal lecter escapes with using the pin. Uh, and he, he takes that guy's face off and puts it on his own. But the the fucking eagle pose that he does yeah. with the other cop up on the cage is horrifying. I mean...
0: It really made me appreciate, in retrospect, some of the stuff I saw in season one of Hannibal. Oh, really? Because there's a lot of, like, the artfully staged corpse stuff that I was like, huh. And now yeah. it's like I can definitely see that it's DNA in this film. It's just, just a thing just he does. Of, yeah. Well, I mean, it's a thing I think that serial killers do in this universe. Mm-hmm. They're all very artful displays, you know.
1: Yeah, I thought I thought it was cool, and it was effectively gruesome and terrifying.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, I'm not one of those types that's into true crime dramas because you know, I don't. I, I have not read in depth and detail about any serial killers and whatnot. But my impression is that they're not nearly as uh, as much of an artist as the fictional depictions of them often are.
1: Yeah, they've been romanticized. Is yeah. that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, and like even yeah. this, like even this uh, Buffalo Bill, uh, I read that he has the attributes of four different serial kill- serial killers. Huh? Okay. So like, to get something that colorful, you have to roll the details of four different real life serial killers. Um, yeah, that makes you know, sense. Like this one lured women by having the cast on his arm, and this one skinned women, and this one kept them in pits, and this. No one is that fucking weird. Like, although then, but then you see like read stuff about Jeffrey Dahmer, and you're like. Ah,
1: Maybe sometimes they are. Yeah. Yeah. That's Jeffrey Dahmer, Good example.
0: Poster boy for weird serial killers. Yep. Uh if you like to uh th- a special thanks again, uh once again, Aaron Spaulding. And we're not done with you, young man. Not this week. Well, we got one more to do for you. Uh but if you'd like to commission your own podcast along this lines, you can go to baldmove.com slash shop, look under the commission cast category. Uh there's two different classifications you can just uh uh, Pay the iron price And pull one down And commission whatever your heart's desire We've got some community commissions Things that were submi- uh, suggested by our, our viewers We're about to refresh that Where you can go and chip in as low as $10 To get a share of it uh, We're about to do one of the Maybe do this ne- this week if not next week Pulp Fiction oh. is the first one coming down the pipe And I started uh, getting all the backers Feedback and stuff compiled for that today So uh, two great options If you want to commission one Thanks again Aaron Hope you enjoyed this podcast, and uh, we'll, we'll have another one for you soon.